Hello and welcome to another episode of Enter the Labyrinth, Brendan's Labyrinth, whatever you want to call it. I realize when you start doing a little like short description of what the show is for all new people listening. Uh, but yeah, we basically cover psychology, philosophy, narratives, stories, experience in, in life. And, and today is, because is, I want to start covering more story-based stuff, especially as I'm like working on a book. Um, but also doing, I like doing these commentary ones because it also helps me think about life and, and concepts I like writing about as well. So today we have a clip titled "The uh, The Self Is an Illusion," and it was a it was on an episode of the Lex Friedman podcast. Um, I don't really I just listen to some of these clips because he has on interesting guests that talks about things I'm interested in. So I was listening to the clips, and he had on Annika Harris. I've she's Sam Harris's partner uh and and she wrote a book on consciousness a f- couple years back and i read that um and, and it was a good it was a good o- overview and a good introduction i think on on the ideas of consciousness from a scientific and philosophical perspective so i do recommend that uh, but anyway she went on that and they talked about the self and about how it's an illusion and it sparked my interest in talking about this where uh especially like this idea of using that language around illusion. And I think a lot of times that gets misunderstood if that language around that isn't used right. Because I think the idea of thinking of yourself as an illusion can have a spiral effect in itself that could be harmful. Um, and I think it's it's a consequence of us taking very, trying to, trying to take Eastern philosophy and then just like shoving it through the lens of like Western thought. Uh, and that can become where we, we need to understand like how different words, words have different meanings and understandings based on the culture they're being used in and translation becomes an issue. So I think the, the discussion around illusion is important, especially in the West. So let's, let's see, I, I've only listened to part of this clip, uh, kind of using it as a bouncing off point to see where the conversation goes. But yeah, let's get into it. And you can also support the show. Click on the links below. You can uh, subscribe to the Substack to get bonus content. My dream journal, um, the Red Book. Um, yeah, and also subscribe there for the email newsletter because I do send out letters as well for my writing stuff. Uh, but yeah, as always, thank you for support. And uh, yeah, let's enter the labyrinth. Where's the source of meaning when you're not the center of the universe, when the you doesn't even exist? That even you, doesn't, the, the, the sense of self and the, and the sense of decision-making is an illusion. The truth is that for the most part, the sense of self is kind of at the core of human suffering because it feels as if we are separate from the rest of nature. We're separate from each other. We're separate from, um, you know, the, the illusion that I, that I referenced of feeling like, you know, we have these thoughts that are brain-based thoughts, but then the eye swoops in to, to make a decision. Um, in some sense, it goes so deep that it's as if the eye is separate from the physical world. And that separation um, plays a part in depression, plays a part in anxiety, um, even plays a part in addiction. So at the level of the brain, 
Um, I think, stop me if I'm repeating myself, but we, we started talking about the default mode network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we actually know that when the default mode network is quieted down, when people lose a sense of self in meditation and on psychedelic drugs in, in therapy, there is a feeling that people describe of an extremely positive feeling of being connected to the rest of nature. And so that's a piece of it that I think if you haven't had the experience, um, you wouldn't necessarily know that would be a part of it. Um, but So I think that's a good little, it was a good intro. And that's, that's the thing I also want to preference in this episode. I actually agree with a lot of what Annika Harris is going to say in this clip, or I'm assuming because I only listened to that first part of it. Uh, but it's more so hearing that language around the self and the idea of it being illusion, losing your sense of self and also identifying the self with suffering. Cause I think, I think like the important thing that, you know, reading about this and kind of reading about people's perspectives in psychoanalysis, like Jacques Lacan, which is, I, I, I do read some of the more controversial I have psych psychology figures, I guess you could say, uh, but I, I remain skeptical of them as well. But I really like Jacques Lacan's kind of perspective on that too, and I think I'm going to bring him in, kind of jumping ahead here. But still, the idea of this self being an illusion, because you could see the language around it, where she's right, where like we identify with our sense of self, and that becomes a source of suffering. But I think what we, we hear these two words, we hear illusion, then sometimes people identify the sense of self, the I with, oh, I'm an illusion. Like what, what, what do I matter? Or, or they kind of like lose this sense of connection in a sense to the universe where it doesn't always happen where you lose your sense of self and you become connected. And I think where she brought up psychedelics, that's, that's the important thing to remember. It's we act as though you lose your sense of self and it's always a state of bliss. But that's not always true. And I think that's an important thing to recognize with this use of language around illusion. Because sometimes when you lose your sense of self, you also lose it. You know, you you don't have this blissful state of feeling connected to the universe. You sometimes become more disconnected. And I think that's key to remember. And it's because sometimes I think we have this, we lose something when we purely see the self as purely an illusion. Because in a sense, it is, but I feel like it's not the precise way to say it because the self for, the self becomes the you that is created by the subjective experiences of an individual. And we use that self to navigate in a world, to navigate for our sense of survival, to to navigate when... We like something, when we enjoy something, when we're distressed, when we have anxiety. These emotions, it, the self is a filtration system of those emotions. Because that's, I think that's a, the thing I don't hear talked about often when this idea of losing yourself in, in uh, meditation or with psychedelics, it's not talked about how through that process, you get into that state, you have that moment, you have that reminder of maybe being connected to the universe, but you still have to come back into a sense of self to be able to navigate through the world. And I think that is an essential part of understanding that. So I guess my point, maybe it's not so much an illusion, 
But instead, it, it, it becomes a story we tell ourselves, the sense of self. But we can't ever really know where all those puzzle pieces are coming from because the universe is kind of like this endless stream of cause and effect that goes beyond our comprehension. Thus, we simplify that, that process of making the self. And yeah, uh, I hope, let's, let's see where else she goes with this. I hope that part makes sense. But truly having that insight that you're not the self you feel you are, immediately your experiences are embedded in the universe and you are a piece of everything and you see that everything is interconnected. And so rather than feeling like a lonely eye in this bigger universe, there's a sense of being a part of something larger than yourself. And this is intrinsically positive for human beings. Um, okay, so again, I, I agree, but that's where I want to preface. It's not always that great. They, they, it often the language is like, if so it's always like this great experience, you know? And that's not always the case because at the end of the day, we still need to come back into a sense of self to be able to navigate the world because to be in a constant state of no self, to be there. It's hard for us to understand our desires, our drives and our actions. We need desires, drives and those things to operate within the world, you know? And I don't know, this is this is kind of where bringing in the, the Jocko Khan point, uh, I kind of really have connected with the concept of the mind being structured by language, you know, where the unconscious becomes a product of this reality. It be it it how do I word this? It becomes difficult for us to understand ourselves because we are forced to rely on this sort of like signification, the signifiers that are always influencing us. You know, you're you come into the world and you're influenced by beliefs, by narratives, by uh, the where you were born, the the culture you were born into. All these things are influencing that sense of I, that sense of self that you have to navigate the world. And I do think it's an important where the language, and I think this is what I meant to say earlier, the language of calling the self an illusion is important in the sense of realizing how moldable that sense of self is, how once you become aware that the sense of self is like this created, this thing that is constantly being created by the mind, this is constant state of flux and creation, by those constant inputs coming from the external world, you know, I think that's important to understand to then become more aware possibly of what is influencing you and then determining how much we can take that influence. So in a sense, we start becoming uh, more connected to ourself, to that, that identity with the self, but in the sense of understanding how it is, changeable and moldable, you know, and, and, and that's, it's, it's such a difficult conversation because, you know, I, I like, here's, here's a little side tangent, like a, a story maybe to connect us with. I think in a lot of ways, like religion kind of comes into this where, you know, like when you go to a, I don't know, I, I uh, a few years back, for example, I'm going to use this example. A few years back, I went to this like non-denomination uh, Christian church. Uh, they were very they they felt almost like that that kind of like hip evangelical type of church. And I went there. I, I would sometimes go there just 
because I found find it interesting uh, seeing people, you know, doing what's in a sense a ritual, and they get really into it. There was like a lot of music, and just seeing people get into it, I get fascinated by that type of stuff, right? So I went to this, and you you see that sense of community being developed, but also they would have people come up that were either getting like newly baptized or they'd have like a moment where people could like talk in the crowd. And almost every story was about how something had happened in a person's life. They weren't, they weren't going to church. They weren't of the faith. Something happened in their life. And then they started going to church and they came into the faith, maybe again or for the first time, whatever it is. And then they get there and they feel connected they feel connected. But I think like when we're to bring this back to the discussion of the self being an illusion, when we have something happen in our life, a traumatic event, a death of a loved one, um, even like financial concerns, uh, just existential crisis in general, where that almost makes you become aware of maybe like the fact that you're on a floating rock flying through space, right? That, that fucking idea, you know, that can send you into an existential spiral, so you have that realization that can make your sense of self spiral because you kind of lose that tether. So you, in a sense, you see the illusion that you're constantly having to create. But in a sense, that illusion is always there. So to call it an illusion just feels imprecise to me for some reason. And I haven't figured out the language even in this episode to, to word it, but I'm hoping you, got, you, you all get what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, so they have that moment and they need a new tether. They need a new tether, a new formulation of the self, an aid in creating that sense of self. So they find something like a church, a faith, a religion, a community like that, that retethers them back to feeling connected. But I think that's where the key is, where that connection occurs is still through a sense of self. It's still an eye is there. It's just a recreated eye. It's just a new illusion. And, and, and that's where, you know, I've, I've experienced, and I, I hate wording it like this because like, oh, I've experienced an ego death, blah, 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 blah. But I've experienced one in meditation and through psychedelics. So, you know, cover both bases for people that don't believe the psychedelic ones are legit for some reason because they are, you know, firm believers in meditation version or something. I've experienced in both cases. Um, but I've also realized, you know, reflecting on those experiences and even like on the psychedelic ones, when you have that loss of self or that ego death, I've realized, because I also would like record myself. So I would listen to myself talk while in that state. Uh, but it's the realization that it's really just a new illusion that has been created that might be more uh, egoless, maybe is the language you use, selfless, I don't know. Maybe that's the language to use. Uh, but it's still, you're still creating that narrative. There's still a narrative being created there, an identity to be connected with. And it's not pure self, like no self. It's not pure no self. I don't even know if the pure no self is possible. And this is where, okay, this is where I really want to bring in the Lacan idea. Because Lacan's idea of the real, and to give like a short summary, I'm going to oversimplify this for the sake of this episode. But Lacan's idea of the real is what is this idea of something like this place, this place that we all kind of know is in the peripheries of our mind and our consciousness, 
down in there. You know, it's it's almost like this nihilistic state, but that's not the precise way to say it, but it's almost like this this feeling of this pure illusion of the self where it's like it's this place that cannot be symbolized by the structures we have or registered via language and it always is kind of like I said lurking within the peripheries of our consciousness it's this place of of I guess I'm in a sense it would be almost pure no self uh, but for Lacan you become closer to the real that place of basically pure uh, not knowingness. I'm trying to think of the language to use here, uh, but uncertainty. This state of uncertainty maybe is a better way to phrase it. I don't, pick your pick your preference of phrasing, but the point is, is we can never. And, and uncertainty isn't precise because you can get into a state of uncertainty, but. It's, it's a state that as soon as you come into the world, you begin having these symbols and signifiers influencing you and you can never completely get rid of them, right? And it's that idea, that state of pure consciousness. So even when we have an experience of ego death, it's not really that we're, we're experiencing that. We're experiencing a new interpretation of that place, that place of no self, right? Uh, and I think that is, it's difficult to acknowledge and recognize. Uh, so I guess in a sense, maybe it's, it's the idea that it's not an illusion, it's the idea you can't really escape the illusion. We're always seeing through the illusion. The illusion is always part of us. The illusion is always part of a truth of the essence of us and being connected to the universe. And therefore, it's it's not really an illusion because say it's an illusion is it almost feels like it's some sort of lie, but it's not really a lie. We need that illusion. The illusion keeps us going, in a sense. Uh, I hope that stuff makes sense. But let's see where else she goes. Um, and even just in our everyday lives and choices and what we do for work, feeling part of something larger than yourself is the way people describe spiritual experiences and the way. Um, many positive psychological states are, are framed. And so there, there's that piece of it. There is something, so, so one giant hug with the universe, uh, everything in it. Uh, but there is some sense in which we um, attach the search for meaning with um, the I, with the ego. And uh, it, you, you, it could almost seem like life is meaningless. Our existence, our I, my existence is meaningless. I think you can kind of go there under any worldview, right? <laughs> really, right. Um, right? And the truth is, true. Just want to say it was a good question, and also, like I said, I really agree with a lot of what Alakair is saying. I think she's also right, yeah, and that's like the position she's kind of taking is is finding a way to avoid that state of meaninglessness. And that's where I'm trying to say is, is it's like constant chasing. Because I've seen it like personally through, uh, not it's not even just kind of studies being done on this. It, it's just in life, like I'm being connected to those circles of people that are into this type of stuff, uh, meditation and psychedelics and and that pursuit of that no self or whatever it is. And 
a lot of times their life does become better, but also in a sense, you also sense they have a lot of existential turmoil because I sometimes wonder if they do get attached to that idea of no, it's an illusion and you can spiral into that pure state of meaninglessness and you don't want to be there. You don't want to stay there. And it's, yeah. Anyway, let's continue. We want to find a truth out of that downward spiral and not a story that we have to tell ourselves that isn't true. And the fact is we have these facts available to us that in with the right framing and the right context, um, looking at the truth actually provides us with that psychological feeling we're searching for. And I think that's important to point out. I think humans are fascinatingly good at finding beauty in mm-hmm. truth, no matter how painful the truth is. So, yes. yes. I totally agree. Yes. Um, but in this case, I think there are the concerns are legitimate concerns, and I have them myself um, for how people respond. I've actually had people tell me they had to stop reading my book halfway through because the parts on free will were so upsetting to them. And this is something I think about a lot because that um, kind of breaks my heart. (laughs) Um, I don't, because I see this potential for these realizations bringing levels of well-being that many people don't have access to. Okay. I did not know this piece of the clip was in it, and I'm so glad it is. Uh, and I'm not going to assume too much. I, I would like, I pro- probably should go maybe listen to further on the discussion or go reread that section on free will. Uh, and, and I didn't prepare any notes for this part, but I think I know kind of what she's referring to because people do get a little bit scared by the idea of this lack of free will. And I often think that the conversation on free will and determinism is often very, it's too binary. It's too simplistic. And that seems weird to say in philosophy in in one of the most famous discussions in philosophy to say. And I know there is plenty of papers out there discussing what I'm about to say. But for some reason, (laughs) in the public eye, the conversation is still simplified down into free will, or determinism in the sense of you either have it or you don't. And I'm a big believer that this that usage of the word free in front of will is such a loaded word to use and it immediately makes the discussion go nowhere it or difficult because you have to be so precise with your language because that I word of free in depending on where you are in the world, where you are in the country, who you're talking to, the idea of free is so convoluted with different ideas and perspectives and beliefs that that conversation will go nowhere. It won't go anywhere. You talk to someone in the US and you talk about to free will, they're going to immediately connect it to politics. They're going to connect it to your uh, ability to act and, and do as you please and the influences of governments or the influences of corporations. That's what they're going to say about free will. 
you know. They're not even going to identify with this this sense of self and and the influences of your actions. And that's where I really like the idea. And this is where, you know, reading uh, things like Deleuze and Guattari and Jacques Lacan and and I know it's controversial, but some postmodern thinkers and even like Nietzsche, for example, his his concept of the will is. I think we need to understand that the will is constantly being influenced and there is moments of insight into what the will of everything around us is doing. You know, understanding that the social structures we have in place, the power structures we have in place, the people we surround ourselves with, the stories we surround ourselves with, the media you consume, films, books, uh, TV shows, fucking listening to this, uh, me listening to this podcast. It's all having a ripple effect and influencing my sense of self and influencing my will, my decision-making. But there is a level of decision-making within that position. You know, becoming, I think it's not out of the realm of, of acknowledgement to say that if you become aware of those influences, become aware of that it doesn't influence you, you can't purely know how it's influencing you. You know, but there there is a sense of being able to to see that it's influencing you and try to help guide that. Is it pure free will? No, but is it pure determinism? No, and and I think and I wonder if in her book she tried to simplify it too much, and people do they latch onto they don't want the idea that that everything is predetermined and everything they will do is already destined. You know that that can be difficult, but in a sense maybe partly is, but in a sense it's. Partly, maybe not. And we can't really know that because, and the reason we can't know that is it's like this. Okay, so let me roll it back. So the self, right, is constantly in a state of flux. And I don't know if I'd even even call that flux an illusion. I think that's just kind of part of life. It's more so the self that exists in some essence and interacts with the universe and the world around you is constantly moving and flowing and being influenced by your inner state and and the external, and it flows with the tides of experience. And through that, through that understanding, that's where I'm going to bring it back to, the universe is having this endless stream of cause and effect that goes beyond our comprehension. So that's where there is some determinism involved because we can't know all the influences. There's also some sense of becoming aware of that, self being in a state of flux, that you can begin influencing that self to create an identity, have a an ability to, to create. And that's bringing it back to Lacan, having the use of the imaginary to help influence that I, that you. And I think that's like an important conversation to have that... Um, and I've heard Annika Harris talk about this a few times that I feel like she she doesn't talk about enough. And I, and I can see it when she's talking about this, that she's almost acknowledging that uncertainty that she has and that she is also essentially describing a narrative. And that's the other weird thing about this. You know, it's hard for us to, especially when we're talking about consciousness, pinpoint a truth because consciousness is relying on narrative. So when you talk about consciousness, you inevitably have to create a narrative. Um, I think it's important to talk about them in ways that override what can be an initial um, fear or kind of spooky, 
spooky quality that can come out of these realizations. All right. So that concluded uh, the, the clips. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, and yeah, we'll be doing more like this hopefully as well. Um, yeah, but thanks for listening and tune in next time. Hit that subscribe button, uh, rate me on Spotify and iTunes. Um, check the links below as well to get more of my content from social media. And I'm also working on a YouTube script because I want to get my YouTube back up and going, but yeah, it's time for you to get the fuck out of my lab. <laughs>